to others. Lord, we love you. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan, for leading us in worship. So um, it's really good to see you guys this morning. Um, it's good to be together. And uh, I've had some questions already before I jump into this. I've had some questions about, like, when are we going to start doing things like breakouts? And um, I mean, I really feel sorry for our freshmen because for years you've been, like, smelling great food smells coming from the other side of the building. And um, you get to be in high school when it's like, we got nothing for you, you know? Not even donuts. So, um, but hopefully, uh, I would love to explore the next few weeks how we can do some kind of like maybe breakout thing at the end of our talks here. Um, we've been substituting that by having leaders on stage do some discussion, trying to give some like element of discussion to our Sunday mornings. But we look forward to um, exploring that, whether, I, whether that be some of you guys break out part, partly outside, some in here, we'll figure all that stuff out. But I'd like to find a way to make that happen so that our leaders can begin connecting with you guys. Um, that's really why we're doing this anyway, right? So that, that, that'll be happening, I think, soon. And as far as the food question, I just have no idea. I, I'm just trying to follow, like, whatever everybody says. So, um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that as it, as it comes. So today, um, this is week five of a new series, and we've been looking at this topic of discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus and, uh, you know, many of us think, we've, we've talked about this idea that many of us picture growing in Christ like it's this incline or ladder of just constant and gradual improvement. And it's really not like that. And so if, if that's the image you have in your mind, someone who's, I won't say my age or even Dan's age back there, um, but, but people that are around our age will tell you that that's not how life looks most of the time. It's not this just, I don't feel like I've, you know, grown and improved gradually, like this incline or ladder, like we often picture. And, uh, you know, last week, Megan talked about this thing called the rhythm of listening, listening to God through his word. Uh, you know, many years ago, there was this church, this really big church outside of Chicago. They did a study on how people grow, and they had these really big campuses. They had uh, tons of staff, big productions, um, this massive church, and they wanted to see thousands of people, of, of people attending worship each week in small groups, serving the needy. But um, what they found out was pretty telling when they were looking at their people and how, how mature their people were in their faith. They realized that doing all the things that many churches ask you to do, hey, come and serve and come and do this, come and do that, they, they boiled it down to one thing. There's one thing that we can determine that truly caused people to mature in Christ, and it says it's Bible study and prayer. And everyone's like, that's it? That's what it is? Now, you should be doing all those other things. We're not saying you shouldn't do those things. But as far as maturing in Christ, Bible study and prayer, and really understanding God's word, but also this prayer relationship with God. There is no magic pill or easy button, you know, to really grow in Christ. If we don't engage in his word and through prayer, you're just, we're not going to grow. There's no other way around that. There's no other way around that. So um, today we're talking about the other half of what Megan discussed last week. We're talking about prayer today, and we're referring to prayer as spilling your guts before God. And that might seem like an overdramatic phrase, but that's really what you see in the Bible a lot of the time. Um, I would say that many of us, we like to spill our guts, don't we? We like to vent. Um, you like to call your friend, text your friend, uh, and, and have that, those kinds of sessions. Um, 
we do it on social media all the time. That's really what I think why social media was invented, wasn't it? So that you have an outlet. Um, so your friend stops getting annoyed with you and you can just blast all your friends, whatever you want to think and say. And, uh, but we see this happen in scripture where people go before God and they just spill out their guts before God. That's really what prayer, I think, should be a lot of the time. Um, there's a quote I'll put on the screen here that I love and hate at the same time. It says this. Go to my next slide if we have a... Do I have a clicker? I don't have a clicker, do I? Sorry. You're the clicker. <laughs> um, it's not working. So uh, I'll read it to you. It's a minister may fill his pews, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty... That he is and no more. It's on the screen now. Good. So I, I love and hate that quote because it, 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 it humbles me and reminds me that um, I can do all these things, all these activities. And I told you about this the first week, that during uh, most of 2020, um, when I didn't have these things to prepare for, I felt like a ship with no anchor a lot of the time. Like, what am I going to do? And then God's calling me back to, well, you need to do more of this. And, and more heart-searching, and, uh, and I hope that's what I've um, learned from that. I hope you've learned from that as well. And listen, I never feel qualified to do talks on prayer because I struggle just like you guys do. It's an immense struggle for me. And this is true not just of pastors, but I think of Christians in general. What you and I are on our knees before God, that is all we are. You can't think about like, well, no, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm serving here. You know, that prayer thing isn't my spiritual gift. So listen, prayer's not a spiritual gift. It's not one of those listed in Scripture as a spiritual gift. It's we're all called to spend time with God in this way. So um, this is partly why many years ago we started Impact Camp. We carve out time. Kim, I can't, is it an hour? Is it 40 minutes? Whatever the amount of time it is. We carve out time for you guys to go, Read the scriptures, study the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures, and then go pray. And we know that for a lot of you guys, this is, it's like training wheels. We're just trying to help you get started. But we will tell you, and I know she'll agree with this, that that, I think, is the most important thing we do at Impact Camp. Now, we should do everything else, but it is the most important thing that we do at Impact Camp. I know to you it might seem like, well, that's just, yeah, you're supposed to make this spiritual. It's a retreat. It's a camp. So you need to have some time out in the woods. To, hopefully you guys aren't going to the woods at Impact Camp, but need some time out alone, right, to, um, to go and pray and read. But it's the most important thing we do at Impact Camp. You know, the, the Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. And I know for a lot of us, we're just, we just think, well, I, that, that just means I'm just going to, when I get in my car, when I go and I'm walking or running or whatever, I'll just kind of pray and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of think in God's direction, right? And that, that'll, that'll, that'll be my prayer time. And listen, we are to pray without ceasing. And I encourage you to pray as you are living your life in the day-to-day. But you and I still need that focused time with God where that's all you're doing is talking to him. Like all you're doing is focused on him. Uh, we see this with Jesus. Jesus. It says of Jesus in Luke 5, 16, that he would withdraw to desolate places and he would pray. So go to my next slide. Click. I'm, I'm clicking the imaginary button up here. So if Jesus needs this, how much more do you and I need this? If the Son of God needs 
to go out and spend time with his father. He felt this, this compulsion to go do this and to spend time with his father in quiet, isolated. And this is what he would do. And so if he needs it, how much more do you and I need this? Um, I, an analogy I think of is, uh, you know, whenever, listen, for my wife and I, we, we, we have attempted in the last couple of years to, to shoot for like one date night a month. And then 2020 happened and just blew up all that, right? And, uh, but that is, that has been our goal to go like take some date nights. And what I've noticed sometimes is whenever we have that, that, that time over dinner and we're at a restaurant and we can, we can talk and engage and reconnect in that way, that, um, that that time will actually influence our, our everyday conversations, right? Your small talk, it'll change it. And so I do encourage you to continue the small talk with God, where in your everyday, you're driving, you're running, walking, whatever, that you spend that time with God as well in, in prayer, but you still need those isolated times with God where you're focused only on Him and His Word and, and talking to Him. And it will change, I think, those even small talk type of situations with God as you pray throughout your day. So I think intentional focused prayer can change our praying without ceasing. But here's the issue for you and I is that we often see prayer as something just to check off on a list, right? So Jared Wilson, he writes this. He says, we throw out prayer because the results of prayerlessness are not immediately felt or seen. But if we looked not for results in prayer but relationship, we might find it more appealing. I don't think you and I, we don't, we don't sense this urgency with prayer, do we? Because there's not this immediate punishment or immediate negative thing that happens when you don't pray. On the other hand, um, I think we want these quick results in life, so we don't see much benefit to it either, right? So we don't, we don't see the point as just relationship with God or relating to Him. We see it as just, well, it's... What does it really accomplish? What does it really do? And so I think we tend to avoid it for those reasons. Imagine for a minute if you're, I don't know who your favorite celebrity is. I'm not going to ask a question like, who's your favorite? I'm not going to ask that question today. But in your mind, whoever your favorite celebrity is, imagine if they sent you a handwritten letter, like wanting to correspond with you. I don't mean they... They like something you put on social media. Like, you would flip out if they did even that, right? Just a little bit of acknowledgement that you exist. You would love it. But if they sent you a handwritten letter and said, they just reached out and they want to correspond with you, how would you respond to that? You know you'd respond to that. You'd be so excited. But here's the reality. You and I have the God of the universe who wants a relationship with us. But how do we respond most of the time? Well, most of the time, we're content to have our salvation wrapped up. But we don't care to respond to him pursuing us in that way, in this relational way. Or we simply ignore him. So we've got to see this connection between uh, his word and our prayer life. And so I'm trying to draw that connection today. Um, don't see these things as separate. What Megan discussed last week and what I'm talking about today, they are very connected. So the Bible is how God speaks to us, and prayer is how we speak to God. So we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we see something about the nature of God's word. Read this with me. It says, For the word of God 
is living and active, sharper than any, any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So most of us say we want God to work in our lives. I think most Christians would say, I want God to work in my life. But this verse tells us what that looks like. And it's not always so pretty. In fact, it's often bloody and feels like surgery. God's word has a way, if you let it affect you the way that it's meant to to affect you, God's word has a way of cutting us open and exposing our sinfulness so that we can repent and turn to him. Um, I think I shared this in a, in a sermon like way back, I don't know, one of the live stream sermons. Did you guys really watch those? Probably not, right? But um, so I'm kind of retelling some stuff up here because I, I figured that you probably didn't see it or you're out doing other stuff. But there was a, uh, a documentary that came out maybe a year ago that um, highlighted uh, NFL player Alex Smith and this horrific injury he had a couple years ago when he played for the, the Washington football team. And, uh, and J.J. Watt just took this sack and spun him around. His, his, his lower leg twisted in the dirt and just was this awful break, one of the worst I've ever seen. And he had 17 surgeries. It was unreal. And they did this documentary on him. And I have a really weak stomach. I always tell people that um, if I was smart enough to be in medicine, which I'm not, um, I really couldn't do it just because of the whole stomach issue. Like, I can't handle stuff like that. I, I just, I can't see gross stuff. And so, we're watching this documentary, and my kids are watching it with me, and I'm looking at, they're, they're showing pictures of his infected leg, and like what they had to do to get the infection out of his leg. And it was just, I had to look away. I couldn't even look at it. I'll feel sick if I look at stuff like that. And when you, when you look, when someone... When, when you see someone's body cut open, it's disgusting, right? We're not supposed to look at stuff like that. At least normal people aren't, right? And so we want to look away. And so the scriptures have, I think, a similar effect on us where the scriptures cut us open and show us what's inside our hearts. And we often want to look away. We don't want to go there. We don't want to get that vulnerable, and this is what God's Word does for us. It, it, it helps reveal what's inside, not to kill us, but to bring us life because it's living and active. And that's what God's Word does. Whenever people enjoy a certain speaker, they might say things like, you know, that person, they just, they just make the Bible come alive. And I love what this guy, this old guy says, R.C. Sproul. He says, I cannot make the Bible come alive for anyone the Bible is already alive. It makes me come alive. I think we have to see God's word in this way. You know, we don't go to the Bible just to get information about God. We go to the Bible to relate to him, to know him. I think this is really important. You and I are not going to grow in prayer if we don't grow in his word. And we've got to be immersed in his word. And so when I think of when I first, when we first had, had kids, um, I would watch them. Whenever they were, like, first born, I would go watch them to sleep or just as, I'm, as I'm putting them to bed or in their crib or whatever. And 
And it would just blow my mind that one day this little tiny human is going to learn how to speak. Like all they can do now is just make noises and just cry, and that's all that they can do. But, but somehow, like the miracle of God with language is that, like we're going to say some words, we're going to keep saying some words, and they're going to pick up on those words, and then they're going to learn how to, you know, make little two-word phrases and three-word phrases, and then eventually they're going to make full sentences, and then eventually they're going to, then they're going to start, one day they're going to start complaining and arguing and fighting, and we'll wish they, they could never speak again, right? That's how it goes for a lot of parents. But how does a child learn how to speak? We don't, we don't put them in a class to learn how to speak. They just, they just get immersed in the language, in their family. They just get thrown into the deep end of the language, and, and they've gotta, we gotta, they, they learn how to do it. They figure it out. And I think there's an important lesson to be learned here is that our prayers should arise from being immersed in God's Word, His language. And when you immerse yourself in God's Word, you'll begin to, as you plunge yourself into that sea, you're going to begin speaking His language back to Him. And this is the point of the Scriptures, is that you learn God's language so you can speak His language back to Him as you pray. There's a book that I read a while back uh, called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Um, just a quick snapshot of what that means. He shows you how to turn the Bible, turn your Bible reading into prayer. He really believes, and I, at first I thought it was kind of hokey. I was like, what? How, how do you do that? I, I get the Psalms and stuff, but how about, how about other parts of the Scriptures? And he really recommends that whatever you're reading in the Scriptures, like don't overthink this, but you, you read a couple of verses and you meditate on it and you go, there's something there for me to pray about. And you pray. And you talk to God as you read the scriptures. And when you do that with that lens, it completely changes like how you read God's word and how you begin to pray to God. And you start praying about stuff that you never would have ever prayed about before. And, and you're not just doing your normal formula because the scriptures are now God's language that you've immersed yourself into. Now you're going to pray God's language back to him. You know, a few weeks ago, I told you that prayer is laying before God what is in you, not what is supposed to be in you. And it's true. Prayer is like spilling your guts before God. You know, God has given us the Psalms not just to study, but to pray back to him. I like what uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer says. He says, the Psalms are given us to this end that we may learn to pray them in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I... I know somebody who's really good at this, um, and not to embarrass her, my wife is here this morning, and uh, for those that don't know you, Courtney, just wave so they know who you are. I, I know most kids do, but we got face masks on, so you know. Um, but I'm always just encouraged by just how she does this. Like, she will often do her time in the Word outside on our back patio, and I can usually see her from where I sit and wherever I'm trying to read as well. And there are times when I'll hear her talking, sometimes loudly, like even using her hands and stuff. And I'm thinking, like, is she, is she on the phone? Like, who is she talking to? Then I realize, no, no, she's praying. She's praying out loud. And I start to kind of think, well, is she talking about me? Like, did I do something, you know? And talking to God about her husband and how awful he is. Like, what's going on here? And, um, but she's praying. She's praying. And she's been a great example for me to, to, to learn how to, 
let God's word drive you to pray in that way. So I'm going to give you just three movements of prayer that I think are really important for you to understand. So three movements of prayer. The first is what I call upward movement. And this could be praise, thanksgiving. Um, This is praising God for his character, thanking him for what he has done. So why do we praise God? It might seem strange that we praise God or that God commands praise. You know, for a lot of us, if, if a human came in here and said, I demand that you praise me, we'd be like, that's arrogant. Why would, I, why would you say that? That's not, that's not a humble thing to say. So why, is, why does God want us to praise him? Well, I could spend a, we could spend a whole talk on that, but I'm going to try to just give you a quick, quick summary. Think about why we praise anything. Why do we praise a good book or a movie or um, a show, a beautiful picture? Whenever, whenever you enjoy something, that's what you praise. That's all it is with God, is that if God's perfect and he's ultimate, he is ultimate goodness, then he, he wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to enjoy a relationship with him, and that will naturally flow out praise out of our mouth and out of our heart. And will want to express it, you see. It's going to overflow into praise. And there's a way, um, I'm not going to give this quote because it's too long, but a guy named C.S. Lewis talked about how expressing praise makes your joy complete. It actually completes the joy when you say it. I think of how um, whenever I go to uh, the card section of the store, whether it's Valentine's or anniversary or Courtney's birthday, and there's always these cards that I pick up and look at them and open them up, and I always put them back. They're the ones that say things like, um, I know I don't say this often enough, you know, because in the guy section, when they're buying a card for their wife, a lot of guys, I guess, they just don't say what they should to their wives very often, so the card admits guilt as you're buying her a card. Um, those cards belong in the guilty section. They should make a whole section like the guilty section, you know, for the cards. Um, but... I try to put those cards back. I don't want to have this admission of guilt in the card that I buy for Courtney, right? But I think what happens, if we don't express love for someone or love for God, then I think there's something missing. But if we, whenever we do express it, there's a way where it, 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 the joy is complete. It completes the enjoyment. And that's all I think God wants from us. It's not some prideful thing that God wants us to praise him. It's that he wants us to enjoy him and have that flow up into praise. You know, I think we, we, you see this in the early days of any kind of dating relationship where there's just this natural affirmation or natural, we call it praise maybe, natural enjoying someone flows into praise naturally. And so when the Bible commands this, it flows out of seeing God for who he is. Psalm 136, verses 1 to 3 say, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise as servants of the Lord who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. So praise comes from seeing the beauty and the goodness of God. And this is something that we should do even when you and I don't feel it. So you're going through anxiety, depression, stress, all those kinds of things. 
that you still find reasons to praise God. You still find ways to praise God. And you still, and you say it. You say the words through prayer. And I think expressing that can actually change the heart, can change the things you're feeling. Here's why it's really important to start with praise. I heard a story about a woman one time who she would pray by going to her list of needs first. She would just pray her request. That's what, that was, that's what her prayer life was. But that would just drive her to more anxiety and more depression. And so she started this habit of, of praising and thanking God first. And she began to notice a change. And by the time she would get to her list of needs, she began to say this, this quote. She says, now I find I can put them in his hands and I feel the burden coming off of me rather than on me. So when you bring God praise first, you're reminded of who he is, his character, his goodness. And then you start to go to the next phase of prayer, which is um, inward. We'll talk about that now. And it changes how you go to the other kinds of prayer when you start with upward. So inward is confession and repentance. This is the cut you open, reveal what's inside of you kind of stuff when it comes to prayer. This This is confession and repentance. And these are not the same thing, confession and repentance. Confession is to agree with God that something is sinful, but repentance is to turn from it and to turn towards Jesus. John Stott writes, We begin by admitting the sin for what it is, but then secondly, we forsake it, rejecting and repudiating it. This is to adopt the right attitude towards both God and the sin itself. So we have to see sin not only as just something wrong, but, but see how it, it grieves the heart of God. But, listen, when you see sin as just a violation of a rule, and that's it, you will never truly have godly sorrow for sin. But when you see sin as a violation of a relationship, I mean, even try to put it in human terms. God gave, God gave us marriage to picture our relationship with him. So try to think of it in human terms. So when a husband wrongs a wife or a wife wrongs a husband, I mean, that's a, that's a deep hurt. We should grieve that. When you recognize that, that like sin is a violation of a relationship and not just a violation of a rule, you start to understand what sin really is. And hopefully that will, that will let you see how our sin affects God and how it should affect us in our hearts, that we should grieve it and, and, and want to turn away from it. The next uh, movement of prayer is outward. And this is simply prayer requests, like asking God for help. So this is help for yourself, help for others, for the world. Um, Some see this as the lowest form of prayer. So some people think, well, you know, bringing a request to God, that's what everybody does. That's like the lowest form of prayer. But God wants us to bring his request to him. We are told by God to pray this way. I know sometimes we think prayer does not really affect anything. You know, if God knows everything, he's in control, then How does prayer change anything? Well, I like this statement. I think it's important. It's true that God has a sovereign plan, but part of his plan is that we pray. So I don't understand all the mystery behind that. I don't know how to make sense of all that. 
I know that God knows all, and he's in control of all, but also know that he, he commands us to pray. And I don't know how he works all that out, but I know that he does. And so part of his plan is that we pray, and there is some mystery to it. But we are told by God to make our requests known to him. And listen, you can, you can try all these things I'm telling you to do this morning. And you're still going to get bored. You're going to get distracted. It's going to feel like God's absent and not present with you. And so what do you, what do you pray in those moments? I've been telling you that, that praying to God is not just to put before him what you think is supposed to be in you, but put before him what's actually in you. I think an important statement is this last one. Sometimes our expressions of grief at the sense of God's absence are themselves ways to show love to God, and they will not go unappreciated by him. So when you're in that, you're in that moment, that kind of place, tell him. Share it with him. Start right there. That should be your first prayer. And that's what you see in the Psalms a lot. This kind of praying and talking to God. So prayer is putting before God what is in you, not what is supposed to be in you. With God, we don't, there shouldn't be this pretense with God or pretending with God. That's not what he wants from us. And so sometimes prayer is spilling our guts out before God, and more often than not, he is more willing to listen than we are to speak. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that be willing to speak. Be willing to let his word drive you to speak to him. So I'm going to have Ashley and Caleb join us on stage real quick. And they're going to help with our discussion. Come on up. Hey, um, could a leader that's in the room go see, out there and see if... Uh, I've got Panera Bread calling me on my phone, like saying, Where's, where do we put the food? So like, go tell them where to put the food. Put it in the kitchen. Sorry about that. Uh, so, I'm not sure I have my questions. Here we go. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask them some questions up here. And uh, I'm forgetting who took question one. Was that you, Caleb? Yeah. That was you. So um, here's the question. We don't struggle talking to people or venting on social media platforms. Why do we struggle so much talking to God? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so first of all, Facebook rants irritate me to no end. But that's a whole different subject. So, do, you want, do you want to rant about that for a minute? No. I will, but let's not. Um, so I think so often we can get so comfortable venting on stuff like that because we're hidden behind the screen. We don't have that face-to-face -face interaction with someone. Um, so we feel so free just pushing it out there on social media like that. Um, whereas, with God, oh well. whereas with praying, I think there's two really big reasons that people find it difficult to vent to God. Um, the first is that some people realize how perfect God is. They see his character, they see him, and then they look at themselves and they're just like, who, who am I to, to approach God? How, how can I possibly do this? How can I, me, my sinful self, come before him? Well, the good news is to that question is 
we have a perfect Savior, Jesus, that allows us to boldly approach him and allows us to sing praises to him, to pray to him, to tell us our needs, to tell us how good he is. Um, so for that one, once we overcome that fact that we are able to approach God, that, that portion of it becomes a lot easier. And then the second reason is because we don't make it a priority in our lives. Um, it's just like a friendship. If you're friends with someone but you never hang out with them, you never do anything, you never talk with them, it's not going to be a very good friendship because um, you need that interaction for it to be an actual relationship. Um, and you're going to plan stuff to, you're going to plan times, set aside times to do stuff with them. So the same is true with God. If we don't, if we're not intentional in saying like, I am going to talk with God and still have that constant prayer relationship throughout the day that we're constantly going to him, um, it's not going to be a good relationship with him. So, yeah. Question for Ashley. Uh, most of the time, we think of prayer and Bible study as two separate things, but why must they remain together? In other words, how does each one impact the other? Okay, so I think that, well, for one thing, like reading your Bible enhances your prayer. It's really difficult for someone to read the Bible honestly and then come out with the conclusion that, oh, I probably don't need to pray much. Like, that wouldn't make any sense from reading the Bible. Um, and, oh, sorry. Mm. Yeah, and so if you came out with that conclusion, I think you should read the Bible again. And as we read the Bible, it enhances our prayer. So Dave talked about the book, Praying Through the Bible. Like, if you're reading through the Bible and you're confused about something, awesome, pray about it. Talk to God about how you're confused about it. If you read something that's frustrating, awesome, pray about it. If you read something that's encouraging, like, awesome, pray about it. So I think as you're praying, as you're reading your Bible, you'll pray more. And as you're praying, you'll hopefully desire to read the Bible more. And especially when you're pouring out your heart to God and you feel frustrated in life, in times you can go back to your Bible and hopefully get more clarity on life and things like that. Um, God cared enough about us to speak to us through the Bible. And for me, that's encouragement that if I care about God, then I'll also speak to him through prayer. So that's kind of how in my mind the two of them go together. It's really good. Um, be honest for a second. How, uh, how many of you guys would say between prayer and Bible reading, you find Bible reading easier? Raise your hand. How many find prayer easier? Raise your hand. We're about half and half, okay? So um, that's very common that our brains are usually wired a certain way. So for me, scripture reading is a lot easier than prayer. Um, I think probably for about half of you guys in the room, that's true. So it's been a revelation for me to, to see those things as so connected and see one as kind of driving the other. So I really appreciate your thoughts on that. And then a question for Caleb, uh, question three. We talk about the three movements of prayer is upward, inward, outward. Which one is most difficult for you and which one is easiest? And why is it important to keep all of these three in balance? All right, so the, most, the easiest for me is outward. Someone comes up to me, they're like, hey, I'm going through a really rough time. I'm like, yes, I will pray for you. Um, I don't know why, that just comes so easily to me. Um, and then probably the second one after that would be inward confession. Um, of course, that can be a little awkward at first if you're getting started in your prayer life, and even as you continue to mature, that it's still hard. It's still hard just to take a deep look at yourself and what you've done wrong, how you've sinned against God, and confess that to him. It's still difficult for me, and I'm sure if you ask any leader in here, they will completely agree that it's still difficult, difficult for them. So it's not an easy thing. Um, I can't really explain why, though, but upwards is my toughest component component of prayer. 
Um, I tend to be kind of task-oriented, so when I start praying, I'm just like, okay, I need to talk about this, 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 and this, and then I'm kind of just like going through my checkbox, and then I forget praise. Um, now, yeah, Bradley's laughing at me, but it's okay, y'all can laugh at me too. Um, if I actually stop and think about it, it's easy for me to do, but I have to actually stop and be like, okay, before I get to this, I need to praise God. Again, my mind's weird. I'm kind of task-oriented, so yeah. Um, what was the other part of the question? No, I think you got it. I asked like three questions. All all three questions are like kind of the same question, you know. So you answered all of them. And then uh, fourth question for Ashley: If a friend came to you and asked, "What's the point of prayer if God already knows everything and knows what's going to happen?" What's the point of prayer? I have a, a numbered list of responses. So the first one is that God speaks to us, and it'd be really awkward if we didn't speak back to Him. So the Bible talks about how God is our Father, so we've been invited into His into His family. And if you got adopted and then you like never talked to your dad. That'd be really weird, especially if they're trying to talk to you and you're just like, oh, whatever, I'll do my own thing. Um, another thing is that prayer changes our heart posture, which is something, like, if I ever don't see the need to pray, then I remember, like, oh, well, then I probably need to pray. So it's kind of like some people bow when they pray, and I don't think that they're bowing because they're humble. They're bowing to make themselves humble. Or when we're singing songs and we raise our hands and surrender, it's not because we're surrendering. It's so that our minds will follow our actions, and then we'll surrender to God. So I think praying will help us, like even if you don't feel like praying, the act of doing it will help you connect with God. So that's another reason. Um, I also wrote down here that only a fraction of our prayer is actually asking God for stuff. So like God already knows what happened. Okay, cool. Well, then what about the other aspects of prayer? Like Dave was talking about with the upward and the inward and the hopefully having your heart be more aligned with scripture and who God actually is and not just what we think God is. Um, oh, that's another thing. Sorry, going back to the first question. Um, I think that we can pray a lot, and we think that we know who God is, but if we're not actually reading the Bible, then we're just going to have an idea of God that isn't actually informed. Like, it's not actually who God is unless we're looking at the Bible. So not to, I forgot to say that. Um, and lastly, oh, well, this is just like something that I would tell my friend to do if they were struggling to pray because they didn't see the need because God already knows things. I would tell them to start praying through the Lord's Prayer. So in Matthew 6, Jesus tells his disciples to pray like this, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, yada, yada, yada. And so take each of those stanzas and pray through it. So like pray for God's name to be hallowed and pray for the next part and the next part and the next part. And then eventually they'll probably realize that they feel closer to God and they enjoyed it. So that's something that I do whenever I am feeling particularly prayerless. And furthermore, last point, um, Jesus prays a lot like Dave already mentioned. And I think it's just so fascinating like the when people talk about how, oh, well, God already knows what's going to happen, so, like, why pray for anything? Well, you have Jesus in the garden literally sweating blood because he's so stressed out about going to the cross, and he's praying to his Father. So I feel like that should just that should mean something to you, you know? So I think you can't, you can't come out of that and say, oh, well, God already knows what I need. I don't need to talk to it. Like, if God is talking to God, then we should probably talk to him as well. These last couple of questions, I'm going to ask both of them just to, share some personal stuff too. So what are some habits that you have built into your life with Bible study and prayer? In other words, just how do you do it? So let you go first, Caleb. All right, before I start, um, I think we sh I should preface this by saying that there is no one correct way to do Bible study, to do prayer. So if y'all hear me and Ashley talking about how we do it, and y'all are like, oh, I, I don't do it that way. Do I need to change? Probably not. 
Um, there is no one way. There are multiple ways to study the Bible, um, different tools that you can use. Um, so please don't hear what we're saying and be like, okay, that is the one way that we have to study the Bible. Um, so with that, um, I have now tried to start waking up early in the morning to do my Bible study. It doesn't always work because I am not a morning person. Um, but at night, I also tend to want to go to sleep while I'm doing stuff. So I've started trying to get up in the morning. And again, don't hear this and be like, oh, he's got it all figured out. No, I don't. I fail often. Um, so I wake up early. I try to spend some time in prayer, usually asking for understanding um, for what I'm about to read, um, just spending some time there talking to God. Um, and I find asking for help understanding is so important because um, I'm about to read God's word. He wrote it. Why not ask him for help? Um, and I need all the help I can get as I'm going through his word. Um, and then I tend to, um, I've kind of adapted it a little bit from um, what's online, but if y'all go to the TBC website, um, Dave actually has some questions for Bible study for y'all that y'all can go through and be like, what does it say about God? What does it say about man? Um, and I found that I really liked doing that. It's the same stuff that we do at Impact. Um, so if that sounds familiar, that's why. Um, but I really liked doing that. And then um, I've been going through a one-year Bible study plan, um, just re reading Old to New Testament. So um, that's kind of what I do. I think going off of what Caleb said about how, like, the way that we do it isn't the way everyone has to do it. Like, even the way that I read my Bible when I was your age isn't the way that I read my Bible right now. And I think, like, the transition for me from high school to college was really difficult because I didn't have all the time that I had in high school to do the kind of study that I liked. And I was like, oh, well, like, am I a bad Christian because I'm not studying the Bible in the same way? No, it's just different seasons, and God's with you through all of your different seasons. Um, so right now, uh, like Caleb said, he's doing uh, going through the Bible. I'm doing that as well because I realized after graduating from college, OMG, I've never read the whole Old Testament, so I'm doing that right now, and that's been really fun. Thank you for your laughter, um, and yeah, so praying in that and like praying before and also like reading through the Old Testament, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't read before, and so that just naturally draws me to want to pray and ask God, like, dude, what the heck is going on here? Because it seems not really nice and pretty awful, so that's been really rad. Another thing that I like to do that I've been recommending to people is to listen to scripture while you're going throughout your day and things like that, because I think some people don't like to read for one thing, and like, that's okay, that's fine, you can listen to scripture. The first people who receive scripture were listening to it, so I think it's cool that we have so many resources to do that. One that I'll tell you if you want to write down, but you don't have to, is called Streetlights Bible, and they have it on like, you know, your streaming services and on YouTube, and they have a free app, so you can listen to the New Testament, and so I've been doing that, and it's been really rad. Um, yeah, and just praying as I go through that. And also, I enjoy memorizing scripture, and as I do that, praying through the scripture that I'm memorizing. And I realized that, like, if you like have a passage that you're trying to memorize, and every day you take, like, two verses, and then you pray through it, by the time you're done praying, sometimes you already memorized it. So that's really helpful, and that's what I'm doing right now. But, like, we're not pros. I think if I came up here and said, I know how to read my Bible really well, and I'm an awesome prayer, that'd be stupid, and it'd be a lie. So I'm never going to get to that point, and that's kind of part of the fun is getting to learn and grow and for God being gracious with me as I'm transitioning into different seasons of life and different seasons of scripture reading and prayer. Hey, Dave. Quick. Yeah, sure. Um, if y'all aren't to the point where you're having a regular Bible study yet, um, it took me and probably a lot of the other leaders will agree, it took us years to where we got to the point to where we could actually sit down um, in a semi-regular man manner and have that quiet time with God. Um, 
So if you're not quite there yet, don't, don't be super discouraged, but keep, keep working on it. Keep, keep praying, keep asking God for help. Um, and if you're someone that's super like task oriented and you like checking boxes, the Bible app, app streaks are amazing for motivation. <laughs> so so um, we refer to prayer as uh, spilling your guts before God. So it's not gonna always look like that, but when in your life has it looked like that? Okay, that's me. Um, so the time that I can think of most vividly me spilling my guts before God um, have been those, um, we like to refer to them as hills and valleys. They've been the valleys in my life um, where I have reached the absolute end of myself and I do not know what to do. And I can think distinctly of a few times me sitting there just bawling in my car, crying out to God, being like, why, How, what, what is going on? What is happening? Help me, give me understanding. Um, and I can think of those as like the most vivid times in my life of me just crying out to God. Um, and it's when I needed him most um, that I usually find it, that I usually find it, so. Yeah, so for me, spilling my guts to God is really difficult because I'm super good at lying to myself and just saying like, oh, everything's fine, things are great, when things aren't great. So they probably happen, I probably spill my guts to God four times a year in complete honesty, maybe even not, but I think it's encouraging to know that God knows me more than I know myself, and God cares about my situations more than I care about them, so that's cool. Um, the most recent time was last week in my car. Cars are a good place to spell your heart to God because no one can hear you, and I don't usually cry. I just, like, yell and try to be honest, and usually before I do that, I'll pray to God and ask him. I guess this is every time I pray. I ask him to help me be as honest as possible because it's really hard when you're not even being honest with yourself about your heart condition and the situations that you're in and things like that. Um, you didn't really ask a question about this. I just want to say this as an encouragement for you guys as you're learning to pray and hopefully desiring to pray more, to know that Jesus is praying for you. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus right now is praying for us. And like, that's pretty rad. So even when you're not praying, like God is praying for you. So hopefully that's encouraging. Maybe it's not. Encouraging. It is encouraging. It is encouraging, right, guys? Um, I love her sense of humor. It's awesome. It's hilarious. Um, so I so appreciate you guys sharing with us today. Um, I really enjoyed hearing from our leaders each week on just what their thoughts are about what we're talking about. So, um, uh, but Caleb is right. We do have on our high school webpage, you can go there, scroll down under the area that says grow. You can click on a couple of different things. One is a two-year Bible reading plan, and it goes at a slower pace, which is good. And uh, what I love about it is it actually mixes in a psalm or a proverb every single day. And so it kind of gives you, like you may have Genesis 1 and Psalm 1, like for your first day. And um, it'll go through Psalms and Proverbs four times over the course of two years. And then the rest of the Bible is included with that as well. And so it goes at a slower pace, but it also gives you something like a psalm to kind of hang on to. You can turn into a prayer each day as you're praying through it. So I love that because when you're in the middle of like, I don't know, numbers, and you're like, I'm not really feeling it today. <laughs> you know, and you got a psalm numbers, to go to by the after way. that. What's that? I love numbers, by the way. There are some really the good talking parts donkey, of numbers. donkey, you know, the earth just opening up, swallowing everyone. Great. Yeah, there, there's a point there to be made. Um, so anyway, that's there for you. You can download that, print it off if you want. Also, the questions you talked about, there are questions you can ask of any Bible passage and go through. And it's not just information, but it's like meditation-type questions to help you as you lead into prayer time as well. So that's all there on the website. 
Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then those that are staying for the 10th through 12th grade meeting for Impact, you guys can stay in here, and everyone else can, you, you guys can head out in a second. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, today. Thank you for um, us being able to go into your word and, and, and seeing what is, is there for us. And God, I pray for these students. I know that, that a lot of our discussions up here um, could really bring a lot of guilt or shame, and I pray that doesn't happen, Father. I pray that they would uh, be inspired, they'd be uh, challenged, yes, um, but not shamed or, or guilted into doing these kinds of things. God, I pray that, um, that they would truly see this relationship with you as, as just that, a relationship, and they wouldn't think of this in terms of legalism or, or checking off boxes, but they would see it as, I, I want to find my joy and, and meaning in you, ultimate meaning in you, Father. I pray they would go to you for that, and uh, they would find it there. And uh, God, I also pray for anyone that's in this room that, that would not consider themselves a follower of you. I pray that this kind of talk or this kind of discussion wouldn't scare them off. They would understand that um, you're a God that wants a relationship with them, and that they would uh, begin to respond to those pursuits by you even now, Father. And... Uh, and it would eventually lead to their surrender their life to you, Father, and, and enter that relationship with you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, sophomores, juniors, seniors, you guys can stay for staying for the impact.